You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, everybody, to Kegolasso, our weekend recap. Heath Pierce in the house. We want to bring in James Banks straight away because he has a little bit of time left. He's uh, tuning in from Stamford Bridge, obviously, as Chelsea take that victory against Newcastle. And in any moment now, James Bench will join us. And here he is, James Bench from Stamford Bridge. How are you, buddy? Hello. I'm, I'm very well. I'm, I'm quite cold, but we're, we're kind of post that, like, February, January, February, like, you know, bring 700 layers and, and try and cope. Uh, this has been one of the strangest football games I've ever attended, I have to say. But... Um, yeah, it's it's been an experience I don't think I'll forget for a long time. Well, break it down for us, James Bench. Obviously, the atmosphere at the beginning must have been, as you mentioned, so strange given the nature of what's been going on off the pitch and even the opponent as well, obviously, through their connections from Saudi Arabian ownership. What was the uh, the environment like, the atmosphere at the very beginning? Were we uh, hearing Roman Abramovich's name? Were we seeing banners? What was going on? Yeah, I mean, you've asked all the right questions there. It was it was a really strange atmosphere. You know, I'm I tend to like to get to these grounds fairly late, um, you know, maybe an hour and a half before kickoff, so that I can see some more of the fans. I didn't always get to do that in previous jobs. You had to be there a lot earlier. But you kind of go through the in, in, enhanced security cordon at Stamford Bridge. It was a lot busier, and it's empty. Understandably, you can't go to the shop, you can't buy a program, you can't get a drink, anything like that. So, you know, it kind of feels like if you were going to an under-23 or an FA Youth Cup game at a big stadium, like, you know, there's people at the ground, but it's not real. Um, within the ground, it was odd. And there were moments that personally, and, I, and I've written about this in Peace Should Be Live soon, I think CBS, it, it felt really uncomfortable. Um, the Roman Empire, you know, a lot of things have been done to, to, to take away from the, uh, from the sense of, of an Abramovich here at Chelsea. But the Roman Empire, I think particularly because of of what we're seeing in in uh, Ukraine is, is a really uncomfortable sight. I mean, I can't actually see it from where I sit and look like lean forward. And then in the away end, you have um, Newcastle supporters with with Saudi Arabia flags. Many of us will have seen the news what happened in Saudi Arabia yesterday, um, and it, and it kind of felt like it was almost like the chance between fans were like an argument of our our sports washers better than yours. That felt deeply uncomfortable, and I really didn't like it. And I mean, Kai Havertz is wonderful goal, only, only changes the experience so much. Yeah, Benji, I mean, in terms of the game itself, I, to be honest with you, I switched over to the Leeds game around 60th minute. Glad I did because it was a wild end on, on, on that match. But what was the second? Well, I mean, in terms of the, the flow of the team, it still looks like Chelsea are having trouble figuring out. And this Newcastle side seems to be, they found their feet a little bit. They kind of have a little bit more of their identity. But what did you see from Chelsea in this match? Yeah, I, I thought it was very... Interesting to see Chelsea without uh, have a, without Pulisic have Mount as the front three, which I think worked really well. Obviously, Mount was playing a little bit more withdrawn, and they they'd gone to the back four without Reese James. So I did feel like it wasn't it wasn't clicking as well as it has in in past games. They missed James. I did think today they missed Pulisic because you have someone doing the same role in Werner, but he's either offside uh, or a best case scenario is even offside because otherwise he's going to waste the chance rather than miss it. Um, he was really poor. Chelsea just just struggled a bit, but you know, as you say, Newcastle—they're a tough team to break down. You know, they will let you cross because they've got Dan Byrne in the penalty area. They're, 
they're good and you know they'll they'll stay up because they've been able to spend 80 million on their on their squad. What were your thoughts on the Havertz uh, situation? Should he have even been sent off for that elbow on on Dan Byrne? I didn't think that was a red. I thought that was it's the sort of thing that you wouldn't change if you were there. I thought Trevor Chalobah gave away a penalty. I don't know what you guys thought on that. I thought that was pretty clear. Yeah, it looked, it looked like yeah, it was like three three side, different yeah. penalties all in one play. Like he, it's not like he let go when he realized he was okay. holding the jersey or pushing or pulling. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, not a fine moment there from Chalobah. But I, I mean, I think that maybe reflected that Newcastle were putting quite a bit of pressure on. Uh, Quite a bit of pressure on Chelsea, but it also it never really felt like too much for a pretty good defender. So overall, James Bench, as we wrap up with you at Stamford Bridge, uh, what are your main takeaways from this game? Especially, I mean, it's a difficult one, right? Because obviously the victory is important, but everything that's been going on with the club, uh, obviously still shadows around it, uh, no matter what or how you describe it. They've got Champions League action as well coming up. How would you sense, I guess, the energy and the feeling once that final whistle blew? I mean, of course, you have the sort of delight of a magnificent goal to win you the game. And, you know, you you might be able to hear right now there are fans chanting for, for Tuchel and the like. But equally, you look around the place and know that we're seeing today. It's only going to become more pronounced. I can see, you know, a logo for Zap there, one of the sponsors that have said, we don't want to, uh, we don't want to be involved with any more Arsenal. So you can see three and I didn't die on the pitch. You don't know how long that will last. Every, I mean, this felt like the moment for Chelsea where everything is about to change and this is just the start of something so a very strange match but I have the feeling that you know at Stamford Bridge it's going to feel strange for a long while yet yeah well said there James Bench reporting from Stamford Bridge make sure you follow him on Twitter James Bench and of course CBS Sports for all the CBS Sports content James I'm sure we'll be talking to you as another week of Champions League action continues get home safe my friend thank you see you guys all right Hi, James. All right, Heath Pierce, uh, you and I here. Before we get into a little bit more of the Premier League, I wanted to welcome you and also welcome everybody because before we get started, Heath, we reached it. 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. This is amazing. Thank you so much, everybody. To celebrate this milestone, we want to thank all of our loyal viewers for your support. We've got a $100 gift card or Paramount Plus to give away today. And to be in with a chance of winning it, though, we need to reach 100 likes on this video. So hit that like button. And this is a very important part. Leave your Twitter or IG handle in the live chat. It's simple. We reach 100 likes on this video, we'll raffle away the prize. We'll announce the winner on Monday's Champions League preview show. And remember, though, anything less than 100 likes and the $100 subscription to Paramount Plus gift card is going nowhere. But 10,000 subscribers, uh, Heath Beers. How about that? In less than a year. It's, am it's amazing. Sorry, I got distracted for a minute because I was going on to the YouTube channel. We make sure I throw that like in there to get us uh, <laughs> a little bit closer. I, I like giving these things out. So, you know, I don't want us to fall short of the goal. But 10,000, man, that's, you know, it's a validator to what you've been doing, LME. And then also the audience and the fans and the supporters and the people that are helping to build this community, sharing it with their friends, uh, liking, subscribing, being part of these live shows. It's just amazing to see this community growing uh, in such a short amount of time. And I'm excited to see where this continues to go into the future. Absolutely. Heath, you're a very humble man. You are part of this machine, this Keiko Lasso machine. I want to tell you, everybody, yes, we are part of CBS Sports. We are CBS Sports and our Golasso content, but... 
Our little team here does so much every single day to give you content from interviews to previews and recaps. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, sun, rain, snow, shine, whatever. We bring it. And, you know, everybody, Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad, Fabrizio Romano, James Baines, Jonathan Johnson, Christina Unco. I mean, everybody. I mean, Christine Cooper as well now, uh, part of our Colin Calcio team. Everybody here uh, works so hard, including notably uh, the man that you never really see or hear much from, Des Norris, our, our main producer. Thank you so much. He's the one that just grinds out every single episode. So thank you so much um, for that. So thank you, everybody. I really appreciate it. And get get to liking that, by the way. Like, 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 because then you get that $100 uh, card for a Paramount Plus subscription where you can see Serie A, Champions League, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right then. Um, let's see here. Let's move on and look at all these comments. Thank you so much, everybody. Yeah, let's go back to this Chelsea Newcastle game because obviously we had James Bench at Stamford Bridge there, Heath Pierce, but I would love your thoughts. Um, the result, I guess, but just the complicated situation that's going on. There's more financial uncertainty for Chelsea as well. Hyundai, Hyundai uh, became one of the strongest partners in football over the years, and the company supports the sport to be a force for, for good through our partnership with Chelsea. We're proud supporters of the players, the fans, et cetera, et cetera. We have taken the decision to suspend our marketing and communication activities with the club until further notice. That was another sponsor uh, with uh, Chelsea that's gone. G give me your thoughts just overall. What a strange, what a strange day. Yeah, I think James Benj painted the picture well. Obviously, we're not in and around the grounds. I can only watch the game from the stadium. And of course, since the pandemic started, you just have a lot more um, sound that comes into these, into the broadcast and things like that. You have, you have, uh, it's hard to know what's actually going on in terms of the mood and the flow. Uh, and, and so it's weird. I mean, you're seeing, if you're watching this um, on, on YouTube, you have, dear customers, please note that the store is closed today. We apologize for any inconvenience caused. I mean, that's a weird thing, right? And it's not by choice. It's not because uh, the weather or something like that. It's, it's becoming more and more of a, awkward situation and I think James Bench said it he was uncomfortable for a lot of uh of the game weird things happening from the Roman Empire uh banner that was hung to other things like that and then and then obviously you're playing against Newcastle which is just this bizarre black mirror world that we're living in of you know the Saudi uh Saudi money and this new team coming in Chelsea who's in, stuck in the middle of this whole thing and I said it before in, in, in the preview that I thought Chelsea would get out of this uh, game with, with the result and would win this game. But it was a it was a bit of a poor performance again from Chelsea. I thought, again, Chalabai agree with. We had a comment there just a little bit ago that there should have been a penalty against him. Um, I, I I think that was a pretty clear and obvious uh, error in that one that they, they should have gone, gone on. Chelsea finding ways to win, I think, is really important. They've done so. But it seemed like the perfect game again where Lukaku should have been a starter in this one knowing that they needed some relief up top. Then when he came in, I didn't really see any of that relief. So I'm kind of confused as to, again, this identity of the team and also wondering why Christian Pulisic didn't get more minutes because I think he could be such a spark in the same way that Al Marone was uh, and Maximine was uh, for, for Newcastle of just being a little bit of speed, a little bit of athleticism you need to disrupt a little bit uh, the opponent. So overall, it's great for Chelsea to get three points. The way in which they did that, I'm still a bit uh, concerned in terms of their performance. But we said this like we said this last year. We've said it all this year. Uh, but to get out of that with the result, considering all of the controversies that they have, all the things they're having to overcome, 
I don't know what more to say uh, to it than that, than other than the fact that I'm sure it was a really eerie and weird energy from the moment they arrive at the stadium to the locker room, to the, to the fans, uh, the, to the sound, to the ambiance, to even leaving the stadium. Now it's, I'm sure all of it just amounted to being just a very bizarre and op- uh, a pop, a uh, apop- uh, apoplectic. What, what, uh, ap- 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 what's the word I'm going for here? Uh, Luis. <laughs> Uh, apoplectic. Uh, uh, well, I don't know what the word is. I always mess up some word along the way. A pop, apocalyptic. Is that the word? Apocalyptic. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that wasn't even close, man. App. Uh, man. Yeah. Apocalyptic. I don't know. We're why having we, an apocalyptic uh, moment right yeah. now. I think. Uh, I, 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 I think my brain tends to con- confuse a whole bunch of. Ever since I go back to a year and a half ago when I mixed up duplicative and duplicitous uh i just my brain it just thinks every word can be combined into some other version and it's just not true but yeah you, we got there we got there eventually hey, i knew what you meant my friend i knew what you meant but very good points though obviously it's very difficult to just pinpoint you know what's going on but i think we gave it a good go from your uh from you and of course jane spence reporting and from a football perspective that's a good victory for chelsea because obviously with the man united victory which we'll talk about in a second you know they're staying third obviously with 59 points, and there's still a nice little gap uh, between them and, of course, anybody below the Man United, West Ham, Arsenal, who kick off very soon, uh, respectively. By the way, we're going live here. Que golazo, weekend recap with Heath Pierce, LME. Apologies if the audio from yours truly is a little weird. Uh, We're dealing with some uh, sound mixes. It's the nature of the beast, unfortunately, when it comes to live so, you know, just wanted to, just in case, I feel that it's fine, but just in case you're hearing, is LME sounding a little bit weird? And I don't mean my takes. Um, I, I want to just make sure that everybody knows we're working on it, but I, I think it should be okay. Hey, Luis, real quick. There's just this this kind of meme that went up on the internet and it just takes the edge off a little bit. So I needed to 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 to, to repeat it. Yeah. It, it's, it says the richest club in the Premier League just lost to the poorest club in the Premier League. So let's chill out a little bit on the money running soccer. And it's obviously Chelsea beating Newcastle, suggesting that Newcastle's the richest and Chelsea's the poorest club in the league and they won this game. Uh, so it was, you know, just to take the edge off of uh, some of this stuff uh, that we're talking about. But yeah, yeah, kind of kind of a little bit of pants. Definitely needed. I think definitely needed. But uh, a reminder, uh, Chelsea... Get that victory. And uh, yes, Rory, I saw your comment. A really nice touch from Kai Havertz. Absolutely agree. And they stay third. All right, let's uh, let's move on. I want to stay in the Premier League, uh, but I really want to talk about, I mean, talk about the title race, but now to the relegation battle. I mean, you were mentioning at the very top there, Leeds United, Jesse Marsh gets his first win um, against Norwich 2-1, though it was very... Very nerve-wracking, definitely towards the end of that. Uh, Heath, why don't you run down that game for us? I mean, Leeds took the lead, then Norwich equalized, and then mayhem, just mayhem ensued. Yeah, it was mayhem. Leeds had plenty of chances to win this one. As it got closer to the end, you're like, there might be something out here for Norwich. They ended up getting uh, getting a goal off of just sloppy defending, tracking runners, and it just it was one of these games where it had this Derby feel to it where everyone was arriving hard on challenges. There were scraps and scuffles and all kinds of things where three, four players are falling on top of each other. It just had that relegation battle. And then when Norwich got the equalizer, it just seemed like a little doom and gloom for me with regard to Jesse Marsh and earning the respect from selfishly speaking for an, uh, about an American manager. And then they got uh, a bad a bad turnover 
Rafinha goes down to the touchline, cuts it back, and they bury it. And it was just absolute chaos in the stadium. And it just reminded me of, of just – I'm so – you get this time of year, and I'm just so caught up in the Champions League and the, the Premier League title races and Serie A title race and all these kinds of things. Where's Arsenal going to fit into this? That you forget about a whole nother world, and that's the relegation world. You don't forget about it, but when you see something like this, you realize you quickly realize a few things. One – how much getting three points against Norwich, which should be automatic for a team like Leeds, means to the club. This is by far, and not even close. Jesse Marsh is, is coached in Champions League. This is by far the biggest match of his career uh, to be able to get out of this with a point. And it was scrappy. It was ugly. They had plenty of chances. They should have probably not gotten three points out of it by the time it came to the end. They kept it going. They got the three points. Now gives them a little bit of a gap. But when you see... In the stadium, there's very few things, Luis, that take me back to like my career, and I've been in relegation battles and in, in the Bundesliga. But when you see things like that, it's I very rarely relate to like you know Man City running away with the title or playing beautiful football. But when you see a win at the death, everybody can relate to that. That played the game at any level at any point of of getting three points at the death, and it just meant so much to those fans. It was just an incredible experience to to switch over to because I was so bored watching the Newcastle Chelsea game that when I switched over, I was like, ha, I'll throw this on. I can't think of in theory, like a worse game to watch on the weekend than Leeds against Norwich, but knowing that there's some implications there, I was like, Oh, what the heck? I had trouble finding it. It was buried in, in everything on, on, uh, on the platform I was watching on. And I finally found it, put it on. And it was just uh, a total, total joy to watch from, from those closing minutes. But I was worried about Jesse March there for a bit. Well, I'll tell you what, that result means that uh, obviously Leeds are 16th, right, with 26 points, and they are four points above Everton, who uh, lost. We're going to get into Everton in a second, but here's a question for everybody. Will Jesse Marsh keep Leeds up? Uh, simple yes or no. Uh, Heath, uh, staying with that? I mean, I'm staying with yes, obviously. Thoughts? Yeah, I say, I say yes. I mean, <clears throat> this is his first win. It's a huge win. He has improved the team. I mean, to be fair, the gaps they had against Norwich defensively, especially in the final 20, 30 minutes, which is Leeds' biggest issue always, didn't look good. They didn't look better. They looked disorganized. And if a Norwich team can find gaps and spaces and counterattacks and things like that, it worries me. But the, the, the upside is that you're, you're looking at a Leeds team that got their first win under Jesse Marsh. They have a little bit of momentum now. And... You know, you don't have to, you know what I mean? Like, it's like you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun your friend, uh, your friends that you're with. You know, that's kind of thing where it's like they only have to outrun one of those of those next three teams. I don't think, I think Norwich is for sure going to go down. Burnley and Watford. Watford obviously have a little bit of life left in them, especially after today uh, and, and got that result against Southampton. So I don't think it's going to be easy, but where two out of the, like, just have to outrun one of them. I think I, I like the chances of that. And so overall, uh, when I when I think about Everton and the state that they're in, when I think about Leeds and and the quality of play that they have, and just continuing to get a little bit better, if they can win, you know, if they can get four points in their next three or four games, I like their chances of staying up. And so, uh, I I think yes, I, I should have made that a much shorter answer, but the answer is yes. <laughs> no, you brought context. It was fine. You it know. was fine. A reminder, everybody, that this is our weekend recap, and we are celebrating ten thousand subscribers on our YouTube channel. Unbelievable. Thank you so much to celebrate this great achievement. We're giving away a $100 gift card for Paramount+. Plus. You can watch Serie A, Champions League, CONCACAF, so much more, TV shows, etc., etc. We're giving it away. 
but we need 100 likes on this video, and then we will pick a random viewer. Uh, you got to give your Twitter or IG handle for that as well. Okay, so just making sure that everybody knows we're here to celebrate, celebrate 10,000 subscribers by giving away a Paramount Plus subscription, but we need your likes on this video. All right, uh, very quickly, obviously, we mentioned, I'm a little worried, I've mentioned it for a while now, but Everton losing, um, let's see here, Everton losing one nothing to Wolves. Uh, you know, Connor Cody, by the way, condemning the Toffees to eighth defeat in nine Premier League matches. That's four losses on the bounds for Frank Lampard's side. I'm worried about Everton. Um, and as you mentioned, Watford, by the way, Cucho Hernandez with a brace against Southampton. First of all, uh, Heath, uh, just on that, just, you know, before we move on, quick relegation battle thing. He, Everton, I mean, it's still as is because Burnley obviously lost as well. But could you see Everton dropping even further? It's pretty alarming. I mean, it, this is just the, the look of the draw. And by the way, our producer, Des Norris, told me I was muted. Obviously, Des, I knew that because I was going over to the YouTube channel to throw a like in there to get us closer so we can give these things out. I didn't have a chance, man. I was nervous the sound was going to come on and I was going to mess this whole thing up. But yeah, It's because it's early in the morning yeah. for you over there. He was worried. He was worried. I, I do appreciate his 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 just uh, – seeing what's going on right now because that's good that's good producing but you know i i had control of the wheel at least once in a while uh but but yeah i now i've lost my train of thought because i'm i'm an idiot everton, but like yeah everton because it I mean, does worry me it does worry me the way that they're playing uh frank lampard clearly hasn't figured it out yet it's difficult could they keep dropping i just don't know if frank lampard has it figured out yet as a manager and he's seemingly going into a tough situation like this and you're playing against a wolf side who haven't been great lately either right we were talking about well, can wolves go top four and so everton is facing a team that also is in a must-win situation for their own ambitions for the year and then unable to to convert or or create anything out of out of this game and so i'm worried about i'm worried about everton like i like leads more than everton because at least when i look at leads i go okay there's some flashes of something here they at least have the ability to produce some goals and then if they can get a few other things right, they've got a chance. Whereas Everton are almost in this state of a, it's that rare thing. We actually see this a lot more often in the Bundesliga where the big clubs, they go through this, these falls, right? Where we finally have Werder Bremen in the second division. Hamburg went through the same uh, thing some, like, some years ago. We saw that happen with Schalke going through the same thing where eventually these big, big, huge clubs, these European clubs that play Champions League, Europa League, eventually just start to fade off to the point where you're like, you know, not middle table, they fade off because something's just really, really wrong. And it's a mix of sporting director, signings, money pumped into the club, coaching changes. And it seems like Everton have a mix of all that sort of special sauce right now that makes me wonder where it is they're going to actually find the answers uh, in the coming games. Because I don't think it's going to come from Frank Lampard. I don't think it's going to come from the players on the field. I think it's going to have to be a mix of a team they play has a really bad day and Everton has a above average day and somehow it works out that way. And so I'm worried about them for sure. And they, they very well could go down. Can I just say as well, I mean, they got Newcastle who are no easy feat uh, at this point. They still got to play a quarterfinal in the FA Cup. They got West Ham, they got Manchester United, and then the Merseyside Derby, then Chelsea again. This is, it's not going to be easy. So, you know, uh, we got to watch out for that one as well as, as we continue to see and figure out who will be the bottom three 
of the Premier League. All right, we're going to move on now. West Ham, Villa, um, it was a good game. Uh, I watched it, obviously, from a Villa perspective. Uh, take a lot from it. This is a West Ham side that's fighting for a Champions League spot, but West Ham, in the end, win 2-1. And uh, as a Villa fan, I'm annoyed, but as a human being, I'm very happy for Andrei Gramolenko, who scored the opener, uh, a massive moment for the Ukrainian he went down on his knees, hands on his face, tear, and you could see how much it meant for him. So, you know, well done to him. But West Ham continue to, you know, fight for that Champions League spot as they fight and win 2-1 against the Villa side that did fight a lot. And obviously, you know, a little bit more conviction. But, uh, you know, I tweeted already, Villa fans, don't don't be disheartened. I really feel it was a, it was a brave performance and a lot to take away from. But uh, West Ham win. And obviously... Let's go to the final thoughts here. Uh, would love your thoughts here. Right, so let's talk. Uh, we'll talk Manchester United Tottenham after the break. But I did want to talk to you about very quickly, Heath Pierce, about Mohamed Salah. Um, Fabrizio Romano reporting a few things here over the weekend. Obviously, Liverpool got that win early in the weekend against Brighton. But Mohamed Salah, his contract situation has yet to be finalized. And then Jurgen Klopp like, was asked about it and he said, Listen, um, you know, there's not much more that we can do. And, and that to me was weird because I thought it was the other way around. They were waiting for, uh, you know, Mohamed Salah was waiting for Liverpool to up the ante because he rejected something in Christmas. I'm a little worried, basically. Now for Liverpool fans. And I wonder now if Mohamed Salah will remain at Liverpool when we hit the summer. I mean, what's interesting, though, is <clears throat> he's 29 now, I believe. He's in the prime of his career. He's having an unbelievable season, but he has been at the club since 2017. And at a certain point, they brought in Luis Diaz. There are some reinforcements. There are good young players coming out that to give him, you know, the difference of, I'm guessing is 50 grand a week, which the club could most definitely do. Probably looking and saying like, to do that though, we're going to have to do a three, four year contract. I don't think Mohamed Salah can keep that pace forever. He's one of the best players in the world and deserves that. I know that uh, above him, you have Kevin De Bruyne and, and, and Cristiano Ronaldo, who's on like 500 grand a week. Kevin De Bruyne is on 400 grand. He's entering the most important contract of his career now because it's the final one, uh, at least the final one with big money, I would imagine, because to your point, being 29 mm -hmm. years old. Yeah, but at a certain point, if you're Liverpool, you have to look at it through the lens of, well, like, what's the ROI long-term on this? And it takes me back to the, the to the days when Thierry Henry was one of the best players in the world. And Arsenal had the ability to have a blank uh, check to write for him uh, yeah. to keep him at the club. And there was a certain kind of turning point where you go, well, it's just not worth it anymore. And I'm not saying that the difference of if it's a 10 grand a week, I don't think it is. I think we're talking about the difference between 300 grand a week and 400 grand a week is a significant uh, amount of budget to place towards a player that's going to have to get that for the next few years. And the fact that you could bring in better players that Liverpool have done a good job of bringing in reinforcements. And, you know, when Coutinho went out, just making sure that they had quality players around and continuing to build this roster slowly, that they've got a really strong contingent. But to assume that Jurgen Klopp, who's got two and a half years left on his deal, can, or, or yeah, a little less than two and a half years, I believe, left on his deal, can continue with this squad for the next couple of years and stay competitive. I just don't, I think it's really hard to do. And, and because it's, it's, a, it's a squad that's been together for a while. And I, I just think that at a certain point, the club has to put their foot down and say, hey, this is the best that we can do. And I'm assuming it's somewhere in that 350,000 range. Maybe, maybe you know the figure. Maybe Des knows the, the, the figure of what they're offering him. 
But I know that obviously it doesn't it doesn't stack up to Kevin De Bruyne or or Cristiano Ronaldo. But he does have an you know on the flip side he has an argument saying like one you should be paying me for what I've done already what I'm doing now and what I'm going to do for the club in the future and I think that's worth being a top three or top two play paid player uh, in the league. Yeah, I, I, a key component that Fab also mentioned by the way on our show this week that's just about to finish was how Liverpool also have to factor in Sadio Mane's renewal as well. So if you want to give uh, Mohamed Salah a lot of money, it has to be restructured around also what you want to do with Sadio Mane. Roberto Firmino is not too far off, so it's going to be one to watch out for. So, you know, I'm, we're not trying to, you know, create any smoke here. It's just what we see. There is no agreement yet. We're entering April. Jurgen Klopp's latest comments have made me rethink about how secure this is and him being 29 years old. And is he thinking, you know, this is my final, what, four or five years where I can really contribute? You know, does that mean he will stay at Liverpool, a club he absolutely adores? Or does he want a new challenge? So it's going to be an interesting thing to figure out. I don't know if you have any final comments there, Heath, before we take a break. I mean, you're talking about if it's a hundred grand difference a week, you're talking about over five million a year in difference in, 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 in earnings, right? And that's a significant amount of money. And I'm not even speculating on that being the amount, but when you when you're that far from an agreement and Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp's making the comment of like we've done the best that we could, um certainly there's some sort of significant delta there that I think is more than like 5, 10, 15 because you can make up all of that in sponsorship deals, you can make up, you know, small amounts and and bonuses and all kinds of like earnings things where you know uh like performance bonuses, you can make up all that where if it's like you're doing that great, you're going to get it anyway. And so I worry about how big that delta is. And and him saying that, it's probably going to come down to Mo Salah of saying, do you want to be a red uh, forever for the rest of your career? Or, you know, is there another is there another club out there? And I don't think it would be in the Premier League. Uh, he'd have to go somewhere else, which I don't think will pay as much as he's getting now. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, let us know what everybody thinks, especially if you're a Liverpool fan. We'd love your comments on Mohamed Salah, etc., etc. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're doing our Champions League watch, of course, because this coming week is another week of Champions League action with uh, United Atleti, Ajax Benfica, Juventus Villarreal, Lille Chelsea. Then we'll do a Serie A Scudetto race uh, recap as well. The sorry state of PSG, some MLS, a some, uh, little bit of a Liga MX. Final thoughts, and that will be it. And don't forget, 10,000 subscribers were celebrating by giving a gift card, a $100 promotion. We need all those likes for this video. Kegolasso Weekend Recap will be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Welcome back, everybody, to our Kegolasso Weekend Recap with Heath Pierce. All right, let's go. Champions League Watch, our Champions League uh, preview, obviously, for this week. It's not a big preview. We have a massive preview coming, obviously, at the beginning of the week before all the games uh, coming soon to you on QG. But as always, we do our report cards here, Heath Pierce, mm-hmm. uh, on these games. Let's go with Manchester United against Atleti. From Atleti perspective, Joao Felix and Rodrigo de Paul secured a win over Cadiz, but Manchester United-wise, it was the Cristiano Ronaldo show against Tottenham. Uh, some ridiculous goals, a really entertaining game. Uh, there was a really good article from Jonathan Wilson on The Guardian about how he's both the problem and the solution. And I feel like it's something that we've been talking about for a long time. But very quick, give me your report cards on both these teams as they face each other uh, this coming week. Well, an informed and confident Cristiano Ronaldo is exactly what you want. It's just not something you can re- this is exactly what you said. It's it is literally it's not it's not the problem, it's not the solution or whatever was being said about that where he is the player that will win you games. He is the player, he is your X factor, but can he do it every single game and do you have enough support around him to play in that style of play? I think Ranić done a good job of changing their system of the way that we thought he was going to go for full gig and press and knowing that he doesn't have those players. Ronaldo's in 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 a fantastic form obviously, especially coming off of what was considered to be an injury just a few days before that, not being able to play. And then on the flip side, Atletico Madrid. So I'll give I'll give Man United uh uh man, this is so hard because it's again like how do you grade a team and a player at the same time where it's like if Ronaldo is in an A is an A plus, then Man United are an A plus. Yes, so average, uh, right? You gave yeah. Ronaldo an A plus performance, but United overall was what? Yeah, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give averaged out, I'm gonna give him a B plus right now going into this game, just because okay. of the fact that the, uh, Spurs are a good team. And Spurs, you know, Man United were very tactical against Spurs, allowing Spurs to have to try to break them down in possession and things like that and make them have to change as opposed to being exposed and going for that counterattacking style that make um, Spurs so good. Obviously, I think they United did that well for, for, for periods until Spurs started to figure some other things out where they could win the ball in better places and things like that. So I'm going to go with a big plus on that one because it is a big win over Spurs. Um they had to score three, and all of those came from Ronaldo, who is who's who's obviously Ronaldo. Atletico Madrid's win, uh, Heath, two uh, one. But Cadiz statistically did better: more possession, more shots, whatever. There was a red card uh, late in the game from Javi Serrano, so it was a victory. But again, it wasn't a perfect victory. Uh, what do you give them? I'm going to give them a B plus also because I'm giving Zhao Felix an A plus, and I'm giving <laughs> them. Oh, maybe I'll just give them a B. Because Atletico Madrid, again, are, 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 are vulnerable uh, as a team. But Joao Felix, five goals in his last five games. We're finally seeing these. I mean, we've seen it in flashes and spurts, and we've said a million times it's the wrong club for him. He needs to go somewhere else, have a different challenge. They paid so much money for him. But now you're seeing a, a player over the, at least the last five games uh, become a star where not only is he putting up goals, he's got an assist in those last five games as well, but he's taking over games. He's taking responsibility. He wants the ball in tough spots. Similar to what we saw uh, Griezmann when he was at his best uh, at, at Atletico too. Just a little more of that responsibility that if there is going to be a win today, if we are going to get a result, there's a good chance it's going to have to come through me. And at least in these last four or five games, uh, he's been he's been phenomenal in that sense. So I'll average that out to a to a B. But going into that matchup, not to make it a preview, but I I, I still I, I like I like Manchester United in this one. Uh, Interesting. Based on last game. Yeah. No, we're going to have our our major. 
full-on packed preview for that one. Uh, I'm going to, just going to quickly report on Ajax Benfica, Ajax 1-3-2 against Cambur, Tadej Haller, and a last-minute Ryan Gravenberch uh, winner. Ten-man Benfica uh, got a draw against uh, Vizela. I want to just quickly jump to Juventus against Villarreal. Hey, Luis, just, just for context on that real quick, Ajax are, are a bit fragile right now. They've had one clean sheet only in their last five games. Previous to those five games, they had they gave up only uh, they gave up goals in only one of ten. And so it's a different Ajax in terms of... of so this of, is tricky then, Heath. Yeah. How do you this, see this one? I mean, I still think Ajax win this one, but Ajax, again, are, are in a little bit of a different period right now. Like they're a B plus right now. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they can still score goals. They're leaving it late to, to, to beat Kember. That's, I mean, that's, that's a little bit problematic, but they're still getting the results. They're still at the top of the table. They're still in, you know, very tight title race. Um, but it, they're in a different period. You know, they're not... It's, it's a little bit Atletico Madrid-esque in terms of, hey... They shouldn't be giving up goals. Usually they're very clean at the back, especially domestically, but now they are. And now they're giving up a lot, but they're scoring more. And so it's a little bit of a different team that we're seeing at the moment. So B plus against the B, I think I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Maybe even B minus from Benfica. All right, Juventus via Real Juve. Creeping in, man. We're going to talk about Serie A in a second, but they won 3-1 against Sampdoria. Alvaro Morata brace. And then uh, via Real, Danny Parejo secured a 1-0 win over Celta. This is a tr tr tricky one. What what ratings are you giving them? Well, Juve, again, uh, Chesney had to save a penalty uh, to keep them into that game. They didn't really give up a ton of opportunities outside of that penalty, but that penalty could have changed the dynamic of things. They ended up giving up a goal soon after, not soon after, but but later on uh, in that match. So Juve, I, I like cleaning again. Juve can sniff a little bit of the top of the table right now in Syria, which nobody thought we would say. And I still think it's a bit of a reach but if you're them ambition-wise, you're like, hey, we're on this run of form. Nobody at the in the top of the league is running away with this. Like, let's we could maybe turn this into something special to to wrap up the the wrap up the season. And so I'm gonna give I'm gonna give an A minus for for Juventus right now, just because I like the form that they're in. I think I like the confidence that they have that they can get results. Uh, versus a uh, this Villarreal side. When I was looking at just their recent performances, I'm like, okay, they go on a little bit of a run. They win some games. They lose some games. They draw with Real Madrid. They have a kind of a little bit of all these different things that that I, I they're a little unpredictable to me as to as to the form that they're in right now. So I'm going to I'm going to go with a B just because there's some inconsistencies there. Um and I think they match up well with with Juve obviously, but um yeah, I'm going to go with a B in this one. I'm going to go with an A minus for Juve in terms of just their their self-belief continues to be growing and the fact that they're still in in competitions where I thought that maybe this was going to be one of those years that they end up with nothing. They could end up with something. Yeah, well, one loss since uh, January 16th when they lost to Elche. So they've, they've, they've gotten some good results, but this will be a very big test for them. And finally, Lille against Chelsea. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Chelsea against Newcastle and everything that's going on with them outside of uh, the game, outside of the pitch. And Lille drawing nil-nil against St. Etienne. How, how do you grade these ones? Oh, by the way, that loss was to Osasuna just a week ago for Villarreal. So it was, a, right. it was a pretty recent one that they bounced back from, which is why I was putting it into that type of... Yeah, uh, before that, they had lost uh, against to Elche in January 16, and they just kept winning or drawing, and they got a nil-nil result against Real Madrid. They you know, uh, tied Juventus in there, and then, to your point, they just lost recently. But uh, moving on to Lille-Chelsea, what do you make of this one? Uh, I mean, Lille drew with Sanatienne, who have been horrific this season and not only is it a draw, but the way in which they, they, they drew, this is what's concerning to me. They've got so many goal scorers at Lille and they're not scoring. You don't score a goal like that. And so I, I, 
I, I think that's just too far, too much against this Chelsea side. And you're not getting the production out of uh, uh, Jonathan David, uh, Bamba, uh, Yilmaz. I mean, you think about just the team that Lil has from the attacking front. You're like, wow, that's pretty pretty powerful. And to come into this game, you know, I, I think they're probably a B minus in terms of of the form that they're in the season. Um, yes, they they they. I think they got a result recently against against Lyon. I think maybe two weeks ago they won against Lyon, but to, then to draw a zero zero, I think is a little problematic for them. And then on the Chelsea side. Who knows? They win. Uh, I've got to give them an A in terms of the resiliency of the, of of the the team. The fact that they're continuing to get results despite all of this distraction, as I mentioned in the preview. Sometimes it can actually be good because it brings that room closer together to saying, "Hey, we can't control all of this stuff. Let's control us and let's control the pressure we put on ourselves." As opposed to normally in the normal world, all this pressure lumped on these players. You play at Chelsea, you should be winning. You should be winning every game comfortably, and that and the style in which Chelsea play doesn't always satisfy the appetite of the modern fan or the modern media. And so I'm going to go with an A for them just because they're continuing to sort of like punch back when, when they're getting punched on things they can't control. All right. Well, real quick, uh, just uh, I want to ask everybody that's watching, uh, which four teams are making it through to the Champions League uh, QF draw, by the way, very quickly, United, Atleti, Ajax, Benfica, Juve, Villarreal, Leo, Chelsea. Very quick, quick reaction, Heath. Man United, Atleti. Uh... Man, Man United. Ajax, Benfica. Ajax. Juve, Villarreal. Juve. Leo, Chelsea. Chelsea. God, it's In so that's, that's a pretty cowardly run of like <laughs> answers, though. To be honest with you, I, I'm I'm but mad at myself. Know, which four teams are making it through to the uh, Champions League quarterfinal draw? All right, listen, ten thousand subscribers. We have a one hundred dollar Paramount Plus card to give away so make sure that you like this video and then make a comment with your ig or twitter handle and then we'll choose by random and announce it in our champions league preview who will be the winner thank you natalie atleti Juve, benfica chelsea interesting no love for Villarreal. I'm just sticking. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just being worried. Hey, Old Trafford was rocking uh in that in that win over over um Spurs and so there might be something there you know for anybody that doesn't know it's 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 level across all of them except for the Chelsea Lille uh setup on on one one and with no away goals you know it's not always guaranteed but I do like the home teams in all of those matches absolutely all right let's move to Serie A very quickly join us every Thursday by the way for Colin Calcio a new Kegolasso live show in collaboration with Paramount Plus celebrating all things Italian football all right let's just uh, round it all up here Verona lose to Napoli 2-1. Osimhen opens and closes the scoring. Uh, AC Milan win 1-0 against Empoli, a Kalulu goal. And Torino versus Inter, by the way, streaming live and exclusively on Paramount Plus today at 3.45 Eastern. Uh, thoughts? We talked a little bit about Juventus creeping up there, Heath Pierce. Any thoughts from the Scudetto race in Serie A? Um, yeah, um, by the way, Empoli, like what, what happened to them? You know, I, I think they'll still survive and usually promotion teams don't. But like what, the, the, it, like I, I just think about the run that they were on to start the season. Anyways, back to the title race. That was a little bit of a distraction there of just, I have no reason to care that much about Empoli. But like, I always, I, I just like, passion there well, I just love Cinderella stories of like teams that are like overperforming expectations and then they're higher up the table and blah, 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 blah. Whereas usually, again, 
it's more relatable to me where it's like part of a promotion team. You fight relegation all year. You survive on like the last couple match days, whereas Impley, you know, had a little bit of an exciting uh, sprint there for a little bit. But but with regard to the top of the table, this is why I was talking about Juventus and the form that they're in right now. Yes, they have they've played technically based on the fact that Inter haven't played uh, yet to today. The, that they're they're only what is it looking at the table now 56 points they're seven points out of of the top of the table nobody seems to be running away with it right now i think the osiman goals were fantastic with osiman on the field i think they always have a better chance of i mean that's a stupid statement they're, they're always going to be in games because he can individually carry that team um but yeah this this title race is wide open a one nil win over Empoli for uh you know a one nil win for for AC Milan, I, it's it's not that convincing. It's not that exciting. Again, same thing for for Napoli. The fact that they it, it they they've got to go that far and work that hard to beat to beat, and that's no disrespect to the other team in the league teams in the league. It's just that nobody's really looking like, hey, this is ours. We're going to run away with it. Last year, again, we saw that with Inter Milan. They decided at the turning point, we don't make the knockout rounds of Europe. We're completely out. We're just going to be the best team in the league, and we're going to run away with it. And we're going to win our derby. We're going to win our 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 rivalry matches. We're going to win the big games, and we're going to get results in the small games. and And that's what re- led them to this. Whereas, like right now, I'm going in week in and week out, not knowing who's in the top form in that top three. I don't know what your take is on that, Elmi. No, it's the good thing. It's a, every week it changes, and the the table was just up there a second ago. But Milan was 63 points. Napoli only three points under that. They have the same amount of games played. Inter Milan are on 58 points, but they have two games in hand. And Juventus, clearly a nice little gap between them and Atlanta. So I think that now you should really see that title race. Milan and Napoli, and then Inter with two games in hand and Juventus creeping up. It's just, it's set up to be a really exciting title By the way, race. In it, they're, all, they're all in great form. That's the thing. I mean, they're not in unbelievable form. Nobody's deciding they're they're gonna go perfect for the rest of the year or like not. Even you amount know. of numbers on victories. You got Milan yeah. winning 19 matches, Napoli 18, Inter 17. Obviously, they played today later on, and Juventus 16. It's very even. It's now really getting super interesting to add to your point. Yeah, yeah. that's correct. Yeah, and, and so it's going to require somebody to have a great run of six, seven games. Uh, I think to to really escape what could be a. a a final day sort of title race. And obviously enter have the game in hand games in hand and they can, they can, they can convert on those, but you know, games in hand don't mean anything unless you do convert on them. And so it's going to be a really exciting kind of final, final run in to the end of the season. So that's a call to action again for everybody, especially city followers who's winning Scudetto race. Does it change every week for you? Are you sticking with your original choice? I know I am. I'm still going to stick with AC Milan, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't Same know. for me. Only, only because it's romantic and I love AC Milan. But like, and I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I've just been wrong on them every time that I'm like they found their identity and look at the way they play. They're happy to find like results yeah. in the way that they come. Like, yeah, you see them win one nil, you make that excuse for them. But then you go, well, yeah, it's not, it's not always that pretty or that convincing um, of a result. But they're still in the title race, so I'm going to stick with AC Milan as well. Dan Davenport from the comments asking, when are we going to talk to Marco Messina next? Dan, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. He's out there in Italy living his life. I don't even know if he works for us anymore. He's now an Italian uh, celebrity walking around, eating good food, going from stadium to stadium. I mean, I don't know when he's coming in next. Hopefully on Thursday and calling Calcio. We definitely get a video report from him every day. 
But who knows, my friend? Who knows? The next time you see him, he could be in Palo de Valles yacht for all I care. I don't know. Hey, I've been I've I've used the the vehicle of storytelling to get me trips to Italy in my past too since I retired, and they're pretty good. And so anytime that what you can use that to be like, to yeah, Capri for yeah. a month. <laughs> yeah, listen, we're gonna go to Rome. You know, we're gonna we're gonna sample the food. Like we need a we need a travel series that samples the food, the culture, the wine. And you're like, that sounds like vacation, man. Let like, me yeah, guess, exactly. you're the one to host it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll host it. I mean, if you need a host, I'll host it. You know, I'm happy to go and interview people on the street in between glasses. The thing of wine that annoys me though is that this boy right here, this boy right here, it's not just a weekend. He's there the whole month. Yeah. What is happening? <laughs> that's wild. Is that a, is that at Salerno? Salernitana? Yeah, we went to yeah, that's a Salernitana my, game. My uh, my very first. Uh, uh, I mean, my, listen, I can't be. Nobody's happier for him than I am. Uh, great to see him do and provide all this content. But come on. Yeah. I know. Listen, uh, hey CBS, I have a great idea for a documentary to go to St. John's. I, I have this yeah, really good yeah. idea. <laughs> The culture of St. Bart uh, is is really growing the football right now, as is, you know, the I Maldives. You. You know? I saw a football yeah. pitch last time I was there. Welcome back, everybody. We're here. Okay, let's move on then from Italy, Heath Pierce, uh, mm-hmm. to France and uh, the sorry state of Paris Saint-Germain. By the way, unbelievable today. They won against Bordeaux, 3-0. All right. But that's not really the story. PSG Ultras boycotted his, uh, Parc de Prince. And released a statement saying, our memories are not short. We know that we owe our return to President Nasser al-Khalafi and it is nothing personal. But it is clear that he is not the man for the job. So a large number of fans uh, at PSG today were not there. Not only that, when the squad entered the pitch to train, from that moment all the way throughout the entire game, Lionel Messi and Neymar Jr. were booed, jeered, Neymar scored a goal. It was Giers basically dominating uh, some of the chance, of course. Uh, Mbappé wasn't booed, just so everybody knows. But uh, Nasser as well was also booed. It was the most surreal thing I've ever seen. <laughs> well, Hakimi also wasn't booed. He was cheered. Uh, so there's some very select players that have won over the fan base. But there's a there's so much complexity into all this, right? There's the original PSG contingent that was like anti-modern football against all of this and then almost like bought into being like well if it's part of this project that's going to get us these things that we need to get then we'll continue to support it but i agree with with the criticisms of the president just because of the fact that you had you almost had it perfect uh this this summer in terms of the team right you're close to a champions league uh trophy You've got you're building something, something's budding there, and then you brought in more big name stars. And for the most part, trying to think of who came in this summer, that's worked out right. So they had you had uh, Sergio Ramos, you had Donnarumma, you had um, you had Messi. Obviously, I'm trying to think of what other players came in during the big sort of like unveiling. Can't remember right now, but well, Sergio oh, Ramos, yeah. you've seen like what 30 seconds, of course. Donnarumma, we mentioned Hakimi Winaldum as well, who actually did get some minutes today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it's a tricky situation, and it's one that um that's really, really I don't know. One, it doesn't surprise me because a few weeks ago Jonathan Johnson said like something that PSG Ultras are getting really annoyed about, uh, that they feel they're losing the identity of their club. 
Um, and, you know, losing against Real Madrid in that fashion probably doesn't help, but it was just so surreal when Neymar scored and it was just jeers. Through. In fact, there was a moment when the video looks at uh, PSG Ultra fans and, uh, you know, I'm not going to completely say this is a family show, but hijo de, right? Uh, they were chanting mm-hmm. that to Neymar, which is funny because nobody's Spanish in that situation. <laughs> Neymar's Brazilian and PSG yeah. Ultras are French. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, it's complex, man. I mean, if you think about it from a fan perspective, five years back, the idea of becoming a super club, right? They've always been a, a big club. They've always been at the, the heart of, of Paris, there's other clubs in Paris that that have a different identity and a different background and a different sort of fan base, but it's it's complex in the sense that they're still part of you know Real Madrid and Barcelona became the the, the faces of of Spain, but Spain had other big clubs along the way, but you at least had two. Whereas they're in a one team league in theory. I mean, no disrespect to Lille and other teams that win the league or Lyon or Marseille, who are also big clubs and have, for the have, most have part, for historic the most trophies. Part but in the modern era, they've, they've been the one that have exploded. And then they went and got uh, Neymar from, from Barcelona. They've gotten Messi from Barcelona. These are massive, massive historical sort of seismic shifts or movements that have happened for their club. And it hasn't really paid off into anything other than the fact that the the club is now opening up a, a a store on Madison Ave in New York City. There, the brand in itself is exploding. The value of the club, I'm I'm sure, is worth a ton more. It's become instead of it being a a French club, it's become a global uh, global team. And and if you're a fan, you're kind of like, this is sort of what the expansion of of the Premier League went through as well. Where if you're a Man United fan, at times you felt like, oh, I'm losing the culture of the club. It's got this ownership group that's not here. They're not present now. I see all these people all around the world. They're being they're being catered to the new fans being catered to not the one who comes every single week and pays the money to be in the stadium. You know, you're, you're focusing your time on uh, kind of global expansion. And, and so I can understand what the fan is going through, especially the ultras that are sort of through thick and thin and the ones that are really the voice of, of the club. It's, it's, it's a very hard time where, where you, I mean, having said that, by the way, on the flip side, I, I wonder like what, what would satisfy them? A champions league trophy. That's it. That's that sat- but is That's that what satisfies an ultra? Like an ultra, in theory, the ultras care about fighting, passion, the crest, these types of things. Yeah, that's a big thing. But generally, ultras are are there to support the club in a different way. And 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 the rest of it, it's sort of like community built and less so I mean, about like, you know, the hypocrisy of the fan as well. You yeah. know, I also remember the videos when they all celebrated Messi's arrival and Neymar's and, you know, when... Uh, Qatar Sports Investment came in. I didn't really hear anybody complain. And now because they're out of the Champions League again, you know, obviously you are somebody that should be critical of your club when you don't deliver in certain situations, especially in that moment when you were 2 nothing up at halftime against oh, yeah. Real Madrid. But, but there is a cultural issue at PSG that's been going on forever. And up 2 nil. I mean, is that, that's not Nasser's problem, you know? Yeah. Up to nil. That's not the coach's problem. That's not okay. Maybe on the coach, but the players on the field, you literally, and the problem is, is when it doesn't work out, I agree. You put all your eggs in this basket for this year. Last year, you were, you were close the year before you were close. And now you finally had this recipe for success or disaster. It's ended in disaster. And in theory, in terms of like what they did, what, what, what the whole outcome was meant to be. And that was champions league. It's not the league itself. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you lost the league last year, it's just, it, it should be, 
perfect to near perfect and it's far from that. And, and at a certain point, you got to say, hey, we went for it. We took the chances. This is not failure like the fans are saying. We do owe something back for this. But it might be time to hand the baton off. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Uh, and by the way, that statement that was read earlier was uh, regarding Nasser uh, undermining his coaches as well. So there was more of a support from that perspective. Um, Jonathan Johnson said that, right? Th- he yeah. said it where it's like at a certain point, if 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 you get the same, th- if you do what you always did and you get what you always got, but you keep changing coaches, it's probably not the coach's fault anymore. We should probably look a little deeper. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Oh, 100%. All right, let's move on. Uh, We're going to wrap things up here, but very quickly, MLS, there was a... Golfest, uh, as Sounders won 3-2 against the Galaxy. FC Dallas winning 2-0 against Nashville. Uh, by the way, Alan Velasco scoring on his debut. What a goal. Please mm-hmm. make sure that you watch that. LAFC wins 2-0 against Inter Miami. Phil Neville subs out and calls out. Gonzalo Huayin saying, I just wanted more quality from my quality players. <laughs> We've played against their quality players, stand up and score. Ours don't, and they need to. Phil Neville. Pointing a lot of fingers there. Uh, That's the most veiled attack I've ever seen. Like, their quality players and our quality players, it's like, what What are you saying? Just call out players. Like, it, it, it's just weird to say, like, their quality players and our quality players. Say, like, our DPs or our something. Like, just saying, like, the few... Like, because it's also like an attack on the not quality players that are on your team. Uh, that like, like average players, saying like, we know that you're crap, uh, but uh, quality players, come on. He's talking about goal scorers and just say it like, just say it like, at least have enough, uh, like, oomph to say what you need to say instead of it being like, um, you know, a little bit of a, of a, of a veiled uh, attack. But overall, by the way, Unbelievable weekend. Also a great comeback from Real Salt Lake, who've got a new ownership group, uh, beating beating uh, New England Revolution in the snow. Alex Collins was- with a left-footed volley for NYCFC as well. It's some really ridiculous goals. MLS, uh, by the uh, way. Uh, yeah, uh, ridiculous goals. Unbelievable uh, week for MLS and, and CONCACAF Champions League. Not great for NYCFC's banner unveiling that was like the size of uh, – you know, like the size of a. a like I have your, it here, Heath. I have it here. Yeah, yeah. It's the size of uh, your post-it note, or like it was like you. You know, when you used to go to like uh, Spencer's Gifts when you were a kid, and like to buy the posters in the back, and you can. This like, is what it's because it's Yankee Stadium, and they're yeah. just like, look, uh, you know, baseball's back. Uh, just don't make it too big for us to put it away when baseball's back. So they like made it so small. Yeah. But overall, it brought a lot of attention. There was some great results in the league, um, and uh, also. Uh, Gabriel Slanina, 
the only goal, he, he's trying to break the record. He set the goal for himself for, I think, 17 clean sheets in a season. He's got three from his first three so far. Chicago Fire, who've been uh, sort of the underwhelming club uh, of one of the historic clubs for, for quite a while now, have started the season kind of three clean sheets, which is pretty amazing as well. Pretty amazing as well. And by the way, there's CONCACAF Champions League action as well with NYCFC against Comunicaciones, uh, Montreal against Cruz Azul, Leon against the Sounders. The Sounders, by the way, 3 nothing in that one. Um, and then Pumas <laughs> against, as well, the refs. And the refs as well in that one, 3 nothing with a lead too. So this could be the year, Heath Pierce. Mm -hmm. This could be the year where MLS uh, team uh, wins it. Yeah, you know, when there was, uh, by the way, when there was, all these arguments last year of like the young player of the year, or whatever it was that Ricardo Pepe won. Um, Mihailovic uh, had a phenomenal year in Montreal and it continues to be sort of the best American attacking midfielder or attacking player. Had a goal again this weekend. Um, an unbelievable player now being linked by Jesse Marsh. That's what yeah, exactly. There's a number of teams that I think are looking at him uh, for a summer transfer. So another player that's in top form, but a lot of people, I mean, we say this every year is like, this is our year for CONCACAF champions league. It's nice to see that the league is rallying. Like it's the one thing we rally around, which is like, we can't get the respect from Liga Mekis clubs until we win the champions league properly. And this is going to be the year, but I do like, I do like the way te teams, uh, teams are shaping up and the quality of players on these teams and also the run towards the final. Uh, it could be, it could be our, our year for uh, major league soccer. Uh, and uh, obviously, just to know, by the way, the Chivas America game, the Super Clásico, that ended scoreless in that match. But you saw a lot of, uh, uh, you know, emotional moments in Liga MX. He's, of course, uh, paying tribute to the tragedy that happened in Querétaro. Querétaro and Necaxa actually, you know, 62nd minute, they went center circle and they all put uh, they put their arms around each other, both teams. Etc. Etc. All right. Um, By the way, the, the, that uh, that uh, that draw for for Club America moved them out from the bottom above uh, Mazatlan. Uh, all right, just, it, just it's worth something. Uh, huh? They're still on the same points, and they've got and Mazatlan have a game in hand. But just for this brief moment, they're not at the bottom of the table. All right. Well. Shame on all of you, by the way, who didn't leave your contact details in the live chat. We had a one hundred dollar Paramount gift card to give you, but hey, all right, we'll just hold it for the next time. But Thank you so much for helping us get to 10,000 subscribers, by the way. It's unbelievable. The entire team here at QG thanks you. We have so much more content to come. Champions League preview, of course. Uh, we've got uh, USMNTR. We've got so many things. And we'll have another giveaway on Tuesday as well as part of uh, our Champions League coverage. So, so much more to come, including some really great you know, surprising news all over. QG just keeps growing. We're doing some really fun things and we're very, very excited to have you. So final thoughts before we say goodbye, Heath Pierce. The only one I wanted to mention was Barcelona Femini crowned Primera División champions. Uh, first of all, they did it by thrashing Real Madrid 5-0. 24 matches, 24 wins. And I believe it was about... Uh, Des Norris, correct me if I'm wrong, 136 goals scored, six conceded. That's kind of ridiculous. And that's my final thoughts. Well done, Barcelona Femini, for winning that. Unbelievable. 25 games played, 25 games won. What are your uh, final thoughts, Heath Pierce? That's just insane. That's <laughs> yes. just insane. Uh, but, uh, uh, but congrats to them. And my only other, uh, you know, my other final thought is just congrats, uh, to you, LME and, 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 uh, Des Norris at Partido Pooper, 
on on social media for getting to 10,000. It's a great it's a great accomplishment and and thank you to everyone that that tunes in, that watches, that listens, that participates in this sort of two-way conversation that we've got in this uh world called Kegala. So we I I personally appreciate everyone that's that's helping to grow cuz there's something validating about where we're heading in the soccer space in North America and to have everyone along for the ride helping to grow this community is unbelievable. Here, here, my brother, and you are part of this family, of course, uh, and everybody watching as well. Help us get to 20,000, 30,000, 100,000. Oh, relax, Luis. You know, just bask in the glory for a moment of this community. And now all of a sudden we got to scale. We got to race to scale, but I agree. Let's go. 20,000. I want to put my banner up. I'll put it right there. Yeah, the (laughs) 20,000 banner. I used my – I got to 20,000 and all I got was this little post-it sign. Thank you, everybody, for being part of the show. LME Heath Pierce. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram and all our content on CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. Kit Golasso returns with Champions League, preview Champions League, recap. we got some great interviews coming up as well, USMNT Hour, and so much more. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We will see you next time. Till then. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.